all may be well in the Twelve's Wood for now, but the island of Vilbrand has begun to quake. The Lord of Crags himself has appeared, and our two heroes are the only ones standing between him and his Lominsen prize. To stop him, however, one has to find him, and to do so they call upon the expertise of the fabled Company of Heroes. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And this is Radio Free Heidelin. Yes, welcome. We are finally in Titan Quest. It is a, a bit of a saga, this one. Yeah, so we've talked about the pacing problems that ARR has had in the past. Oh, yes. This is one of the most egregious examples, however, because today we are covering content that spans five levels of the MSQ. Uh, for comparison, let's see how long... Ifrit took. It looks like Ifrit covered three uh, levels of the MSQ. Yes, yes it did. So Titan Quest is a much broader segment and in the modern day in the at, at the time of our recording, uh, they have massively shortened Titan Quest over several different patches in this game's history. They have shortened Titan uh, Titan Quest in its original incarnation, which I didn't play. I played after I think the first time they shortened it. It was like a historically bad slog, and the most hilarious thing about that slog is that it was the very last thing you did before the free trial ended, because the free trial ended at level thirty-five. Correct? No, I think it ended at 30. That's right. You didn't even get to do the whole thing. Yeah, you didn't even get to finish it. You got you didn't get to Titan. You got to do a portion of Titan Quest, but you didn't actually get to fight Titan, and that was the end of the free trial, which it's not surprising then that that free trial was not especially impactful, right? Like nowadays, of course, there's the uh there's sort of the the running joke of you know, you know, try Final Fantasy fourteen online uh, for free and includes all the way up until the award-winning expansion Heavensward or whatever, which is great. And you can play all the way up to level 60 for free. But yes, no, originally it was a little bit more limited than that. Yeah, uh, a lot of their adjustments to ARR have been about pruning it down to a more reasonable chunk of content. And obviously it's still quite long, but... They have done their best to make things a little bit less tedious, specifically this, and also I believe they shortened the amount of quests you have to do post-ARR, uh, because it used to be like literally 100 quests. Oh yeah, no, the 2.x quests are, well, they used to be very, very extensive. I'm sure they are still quite dense, but uh, we'll find out how dense when we get to them. As far as Titan Quest is concerned, though, Titan Quest takes place in basically two halves, right? So... You have the first half, uh, which takes place before Brayflock's long stop, and then you have the second half, which takes place after and leads up to the actual Titan trial itself. And the thing is, that first segment used to be, I think, the longest one, uh, and they compressed that, uh, but the, the second segment, the wine segment, that segment uh, was still extremely long, um, and it was only, I believe, in this most recent set of changes to the early game 
that they actually shortened wine quests. I remember there being a few more hoops you had to jump through uh, than there were this time through the, uh, you know, the, around the bends. I mean, I was like, I don't have the patch notes in front of me. I guess I could go get them, but I'd have to go digging. But, you know, it just it just feels breezier than it used to. Like, Titan Quest loomed large in my mind, and, like, God, it was just interminable. Yeah, but... But now it's it's honestly not even bad. I actually didn't mind doing Titan Quest at all this time, which I remember it being a complete slog and genuinely really not very fun to do even a little bit when I was first playing through the I game. I mean, I think perhaps the difference is that where we are in, in the game right because we're replaying this with the the knowledge of, of what comes next and like we know everything about the game however when you're first playing a realm reborn you just want to get through a realm reborn because everyone says oh you gotta get to heavens or you gotta get to Shadowbringers," and so you're just like holy shit why am i doing all of this dumb bullshit i just want to finish the game yeah that's the thing right and that's that's definitely going to contribute to that feeling for sure. But I I think you know here's the problem with Titan Quest, right? The problem with Titan Quest isn't just that it's busy work. It's busy work that the game acknowledges upfront to you is busy work, and that even the characters themselves are irritated with. Yeah, that that adds another layer to it. But uh, but to talk about that a little bit, we have to actually get into the meat of the MSQ here, and that starts out with Merwib calling on you to deal with a bit of a kobold problem. Yeah, so Minfilia summons all of the Scions after your your little adventures in Spooky Town to uh, to tell everyone, yeah, Merwib called and the kobolds have summoned Titan again. And now that you might think, well, there's primals all over the place. However, consider this. Titan is a primal who has power over Earth-aspected ether. He can cause gigantic earthquakes. Yeah, and volcanoes and all kinds of shit. Limsa is an entirely coastal city. You do yeah, the made out of like limestone pillars. A earthquake would not be good for limestone pillars. And also, the the last time Titan showed up, well, okay, there were two previous times Titan showed up. The first time Titan had like a tag team with leviathan yeah that sounds like a bad time uh, for like everyone yeah no apparently it was really bad they showed up at the literal gates and tried to explode limsa and presumably the whole army was needed to deal with that problem and but they did and then in round two it was just titan but that was in and of itself also apparently not exactly an easy time, and uh, there were there were more than a few casualties from that one. Yeah, I assume that second part is when Titan was summoned uh, in 1.0, probably, is, is that time frame, I believe. Makes sense to me. Because Leviathan was not in 1.0, as we discussed. So, yeah, Minfilia dispatches everyone to various places now now that there's an actual primal threat she like jumps into action here and and starts assigning stuff so ida and thancred are gonna be sent out to talk to the other two grand companies about to keep keep a close eye on 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 primal stuff and kind of fill them in on the Asian situation and to be on the lookout for that stuff Mm -hmm. uh jay is gonna get in contact with the students of baldessian and also for some reason call alphano I mean, he's a smart. He's a smart kid. He probably knows a few uh, thing or two. Papalimo goes to 
find out what he can about Titan, considering the the records on Titan are are very slim compared to what they know about Ifrit. And then yeah, nobody nobody writes shit down around here. Apparently, I guess the implication is that very 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 few people have ever lived to tell the tale after an encounter with Titan. You know that's fair. Uh, and you and Yishtola head to Limsa to deal with this problem. Yes, specifically you head down to the aft castle and talk to uh you know one of the big big cheese sort of uh, maelstrom ladies here like a like a chief officer yes. or whatever. Riki is her name. Riki Tahi Riki I believe she's a Makote. Um she's like the the storm commander. She's one one rank below Merlwib's buddy, the the storm marshal whose name is unpronounceable because it's Welsh. That guy. Uh but right. yeah, so it's it's her and by the so by the way, I want to talk a little bit about Yestola here because this is yet another quest line. We were hanging out with one of the scions. He did it for Thancred. He did it with Eden Poplima, and now you're doing it with Yishtola. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I want to say that I think out of all of the the principal scion characters, I think a Realm Reborn has the most of a handle on Yishtola's character because the way she acts here is very consistent with how she is written down the line. Yeah, I would say that Yishtola is largely like herself you know there's i think certainly a lot to be said about some of the other scions and how they sort of present themselves and whether or not they're really the same character later but yeah yishtola is largely kind of the the same like you can you can follow her her line uh you know through all of uh all of the game and and come out with uh with a single sort of cohesive uh character path Specifically, this because uh, because Merlewood shows up personally to talk to you, and and specifically the line where she walks up next to Merlewood, who is telling you about the how the the kobolds are summoning Titan because some some treaties between them and Limsa went bad, and and Yishtola just pops up next to Merlewood and goes, "Yeah, I wonder who broke those treaties. Was it perhaps you? Was it perhaps Limsa Lamensa who broke those treaties?" Uh, yeah, this this quest specifically, like Titan quest, is interesting because it is, I think think the quest that most acknowledges the situation with the myriad tribes right because like the reason the kobolds are doing this is because it is like largely self-defense they're a bit backed into the corner by the whole maelstrom invading their lands thing and they feel like they don't really have a choice and this quest line like continuously kind of hammers home that you know you're in kind of a tough position you're you're a little bit of a bad guy for this one but like titan still needs to go away but like you are kind of participating in colonialism which even merle admits like yeah you're proud you're right however consider this there's a big sumo wrestler who's about to pancake our entire city and we should probably stop that yeah yeah like this like this is interesting because like i think limsa laminsa continues to be the the city that is written like the most out of all of the the stuff so far because like it's writing like actually addresses the like colonialist and like racist aspects of like the way that they behave like they like it acknowledges the fact like hey these guys just like say slurs all the time about like these non-human guys and also they're like totally in the wrong for like invading their lands for no reason but nobody else really gets the same treatment right like 
Gridania is kind of let off the hook because, you know, Shrug Elementals and, you know, Ulda. Oh, God. Ulda is like a whole, just kind of a whole mess. Ulda's got a whole lot of other problems where you're, you honestly aren't even thinking about the stuff with the Myriad tribes with them because there's just like a whole other pot of issues to deal with over there. Yeah, the Amalgia kind of take a backseat to their own story because Ulda is just so goddamn complicated. They've just got issues. Uh, but yeah, so ba- yeah, but I think this is one of Yishtola's like main traits is that she is very frank and very blunt and will and like refuses to like coddle anyone, but especially people in a position of power. She doesn't care who you are. Oh yeah, she. In fact, if anything, you being in a position of power makes her more likely to get your ass. Yeah she she will simply uh say what she thinks to your face and you're just gonna have to deal with that yeah and thank god for that love that girl so but yeah so she tells you merlin tells you that yeah the only people who li- who have fought titan and lived as far as i'm aware are the company of heroes who disbanded after they killed titan so uh you're gonna need to find out where they are and riki tells you commander riki tells you that uh, she has heard one of them is working out at, a, at an old uh, at a mill up in like northern lenosia yeah a, a humble a humble miller he is nowadays uh in his in his retirement i suppose so so you head on out to the uh the Grey Masts, or whatever I believe it's called. The Grey Fleet. The Grey Fleet, which is a really funny thing to name like a bunch of windmills. Yeah, it's like a badass um, name, and it's just like it's just a big, it's just a big wheat farm. Yeah, it's it's kind of cute. Like I like that as an idea. The Grey Fleet is it should be like that's this is Limps's fucking secret super powerful boats that can like swoop in silently and obliterate anything. And it was like, no, this is just like. This is where we get our our flour from. Yeah, this is the bread making. This is the bread basket of Vilbrand over here. Uh, mm-hmm. We call it the Gray Fleet. You know how it is. It's because the windmills are gray, uh, made of white stone. You see. So you you go there and you meet this guy named Tractum. Tractum. Now Tractum immediately makes an uh, makes a uh, an impression with the the manner in which he is dressed. Which is to say, not he's not very dressed, uh, is what I would say. Yeah, he's got an outfit that I can only describe as... You know those, like, 70s airbrush paintings of, like, barbarian, like, Conan-esque figures? And it's like, the dude, like, almost always the dudes and the ladies are showing about the same amount of skin, and they're all these dudes are just wearing, like, leather thongs and a vest. That's basically what track Yeah, a lot, lot of belts, kind of a leather, a leather undergarment situation. He's got uh, some leopard le- prints. Yeah, I was about to say, the leopard print chest piece is a choice. And also yeah, a it's straw a hat. Yeah, like a, like a dainty little sun hat on top of everything else and and a and a little tattoo of a baby chocobo on his cheek <laughs> so just, uh, a real a real feast for the eyes uh track tomb is now you may think perhaps well this seems suspicious well even even Yishtola, when you when you go and talk to her like when in the incidental dialogue you can get was she just standing around she just goes i don't really understand why a uh, a member of the company of heroes would just go and mill wheat uh but i guess if that's what he wants to do but all right first of all as soon as he starts talking to this guy he's he's boasting ah yeah the company heroes mean the boys we fought 
Titus. Um, and we yeah, we, we fought Titus. Got got Titus taken taken care of. Got his ass. Yeah. It's like, sir, that's a different Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that's not quite correct. But he's like, ah, oh, but you know what? I gotta make sure that you're up to the task. How about you go do some chores for me? Yes, and you know, you humor him at first. You're like, okay, I'll go take care of some rats for you. You fight the giant rat that makes all the rules. Uh, you know, you do all that stuff. You fight a gooby. You know, get, you get that guy. Oh, but it turns out, uh, actually, Tractum is a huge fraud. Yeah, his boss comes in to yell at him, which is very funny. Also very funny, please consider that the things this dude does and the explanation that Whiskate gives you later are the same. They are doing the same thing. Which is hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, his boss comes in to yell at him, hey, you, you, did you fucking kill that Gubu? And he's like, yeah, bro, I, I totally did. I, I smashed it right to pieces. But then this guy's like, no, I think you had this, this strapping young adventurer do it in your stead. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does not believe him at all, uh, nor should he. But he decides, listen, you know what? We're going to solve this the Laminson way, which uh, in this case appears to be getting the people accused of lying to beat the shit out of a rock. And whoever beats the shit out of their rock the fastest isn't a liar. Greatest city in the world. You know, that's how, yeah, you, that's you, how know. you do it. Also, <laughs> I should we should mention that this, this he's, he's talking about Titus and his boss goes like, you fucking idiot. The, his name is Titan. I don't know who Titus is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, immediately you're starting to think, well, this guy's probably fake. And so, yeah, you bring these rocks. First of all, he immediately tries to, like, fuck you over by giving you a much bigger rock. And then oh, also yeah. he tries, like, pulling dick dastardly shenanigans on you. Yeah, he's, like, che- he's, like trying to hit you with AoEs. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not cheating as long as I don't kill you. And then he puts a fucking bomb down. Like, he has, like, a yeah. electricity bomb or whatever like this dude pulls out all the stops basically and yet it's it's not enough because he sucks and you're kind of a badass so you you take care of this rock Ooh, yeah you get you get this rock toasted and track is just is is really devastated by the whole affair he, he's cry typing he's tearfully telling you oh i'm so sorry i just i just told everyone i was a member of the company heroes because no one would hire me because i suck and i'm worthless and i'm a dumb dumb <laughs> and his boss is just kind of like well i guess you can still be employed i guess i feel bad for you <laughs> uh and he tells you that he he was trying to get work up in Costa del Sol, which is where he got the idea. Because there's a guy working up there who was actually a member of the Company of Heroes. And everyone up there worships the ground he walks on. So he thought, hey, what if I get a big axe and pretend I was in the Company of Heroes? Yeah. So you you bid you bid Tractum and his uh, situation adieu and uh, make your way to the coastal resort town of Costa del Sol and meet uh, Wis- Wiscate? Wiscat, yeah, he's a, yeah. he's a big old grizzled row dude, and you know immediately when you look at when you compare the two, the only the only similarity between them is that they are a row and they have an axe. Otherwise, they're they're totally different people. Him and Tractum. Yeah. This dude looks much more like a guy who has killed Titan. Yeah, this guy this guy looks like kind of a kind of like a refrigerator. This dude's like a tank. Uh, also, hilariously, his outfit is kind of similar to track doom not at all he's wearing like a okay i don't think he's wearing first of all he's wearing a shirt second of all he's wearing pants wait is he not wearing the same like no shirt thing no i believe i believe he is wearing like a curus i don't think he's rocking tummy out 
Okay, okay. Because Track Doom was rocking tummy out, and also he had the leather thong on. Yeah, no, Whiskate does definitely not have the leather thong. He has a little bit more dignity than that. He is not exactly convinced by the couple of people walking up to him and just being like, hey, guess what? We're the coolest guys ever. We're going to go kill Titan. Tell us how you did it, please. Yeah, and, and you know, Ishola tries, you know, hyping up going, oh, but, you know, the, the, this 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 one over here, they, they're immune they're, they're immune to being tempered and Whiskey just goes, great. You're not immune to getting crushed by a big rock. Like, what do you want? Yeah, which, which is uh, very fair as a point, frankly. So he's like, okay, okay, listen, I, if before we even, before we even begin talking about anything, I need to make sure you don't immediately explode when you see an enemy. So go out here in the water and kill a frog. And immediately Yishtola just goes, are you fucking kidding me? No, we're not doing this again. <laughs> yeah, no, Yishtola is fed up. She's like, no, absolutely the fuck not. Are you kidding me? Titan, the enemy is at the gates, man. He's, what the fuck yeah, is wrong with you? They, Titan is in the world. He is not a, a distant thought. He is here. And Whiskey just goes, don't like, don't read. Don't like, don't yeah. do chores. You can leave if you want. Yeah, literally, he's like, I don't have any obligation. I just won't fucking tell you shit if you don't do what I say. And uh, she just like, she just sighs and sits on a bench and is like, okay, go, go do what he wants, I guess. So, thankfully, you only have to do one petty little task for him before he comes back, and he goes, all right, yeah, you, you can, like, you aren't gonna run away crying if, like, a fucking baby kobold spits in your direction. Yeah, but you still have yet to, uh, to prove. You, you, you have your metal to prove to not just him, but other members of the companies of, the company of heroes. So, so, uh, you get sent on an extremely extensive fetch quest. So, he tells you that Gegaruju, the the owner and proprietor of Cosa del Sol, who is a Shiel Lalafell pervoid man, um, he is gonna have like a big banquet with some important guests. And you know, obviously these rich guys, they've got exotic tastes, so we need to really like we need to really give get it some rare ingredients. Um, and just, it just so happens that all of the people who can help you get these ingredients are my former pal. What a coincidence. I'm sure that has nothing to do with anything. Oh. <laughs> the, fir- the first guy you gotta go to is, uh, Landonel. Now, Landonel, he's down in, uh, down in the Twelves Wood. He's hanging out in a swamp. Just a sort of nasty-ass swamp. Um... And uh, he's got a few words for you. He's like, hey, listen, this is a stupid idea. There's there's always going to be another hero. Why you got to fight Titan? Uh, go home. Go go fucking go get a hot chocolate or something. Uh, but, you know, if you if you think you're so tough, why don't you go fight a big turtle and steal its baby? Yeah, the first ingredient is an adamantois egg. And so, well, you know, I want to mention something while we while we're going through this roster of, of funny guys. So I would say previously, uh, outside of the Scions, and even then sometimes some of the Scions, our own reborn struggled to have, like, characters in it. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, there's Buscaron, I think he's a character. There, there's the other, like, proprietors of the inns in the various cities. But, like, outside of them, a lot of the people you're interacting with are very flat. They're very easily forgotten. However, I think each of the members of the Company of Heroes do actually make an impression and do actually seem much more fleshed out. For example, uh, Landonel has a lot of barely restrained bloodlust that he is like, I 
am trying to hold down a respective job. However, I love to fight and I love to fuck. Yeah, he want he wants nothing more than to go back to his like uh, adventuring life and like doing all kinds of crazy shit and uh, for the adoration of of girls and lots of gambling, lots of cash. Yeah, he's just like I, you know, I got this nice job and and I I don't want people asking too many questions about my past other than the, my my friend here, uh, this random cat girl he's hanging out with, who I guess he told about his 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 time with the company here. Is you're like listen. Just you're gonna you're not gonna be able to get beat this fucking turtle. You're gonna scream and run away and piss your pants and cry or die. Yeah, and or die. Um, or all or both. Yeah. Uh, but uh, because you're like really cool and awesome, uh, you go take care of this big turtle and you get this egg. And he's like, oh well, damn. You know what? I guess you did get that egg. You're very brave. Yeah. Why don't you go be my friend, who's a cat man? Udnun. I think that's how you say it anyway. Um. Yes. Uh. Fun fact about this. Oh, uh, by the way. Uh, for those of you who aren't in the know uh, about uh, Sunseeker cat uh, <laughs> culture, so uh, Mr. Nun here, uh, so Nun is a sur title, like a surname title. Um, so you may be familiar with like Tia as a as a as a title, right? And I forget exactly what that means, but I think it just means you're like a normal guy, more or less. Yeah, it's like you're a beta cuck or whatever. Um... Yeah, yeah, but but Nun Nun means that you are the sex mayor. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the first nun we encounter, I believe. We'll, we'll meet a few more, but he is the nun of the U tribe. Each of the Sunseekers, uh, they're or they have they live in tribes, or like the fir- the first letter of their name is like their, it's basically their surname, kind of. Um, the you know, nuns are both like the chieftain and they they run everything and they're like administrators and also they're responsible for let us say controlling and monitoring the tribe's population yes so yeah they're they're a little bit of uh they're the sex mayor. they have they have a yeah they're the sex mayor they're the sex mayor and they're here to uh take care of the politics of the tribe and also uh do a lot of sex uh about it so yeah nuns are like in in the way that it is stratified a nun is is not necessarily something that is passed on through like a line of succession rather as, as he talks about here you can become a nun by challenging your current nun to like a duel to the death it, it's basically like a kind of uh it's it's like a s- strongest lead sort of situation bit, bit of a rule by the sword uh deal here and as soon as ud nun lays his eyes and he's like you seem like you suck why are you here yeah he he's like listen you know what you in order to in order to go fight Titan, in order to do all that kind of stuff, you've got to be cunning. You've got to be, you know, you can't you can't just be strong. You can't just be resilient. You got to have a brain in there, Buster. Uh, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a big spear, and I'm not gonna tell you what to do with it. You just gotta figure it out, buddy. Yep. Uh, well, he does. He does tell you. Uh what to do with it technically. He's like, yeah. There's so there's this there's this extremely powerful amalja warrior he's like a veteran of a billion fights and he's super fucking strong and experienced and like if you can beat him maybe you've got enough brain in there to fight titan so you you stab this spear into the ground and he comes out and you fight this guy 
And then after you come back, he goes, yeah, so, you know, that that guy you just killed, yeah, he was a really old rival of mine. Uh, thank you for dealing with that for me. Yeah, apparently the spear belonged to, I think his brother? Yeah, his like, brother. the Amalja's brother, uh, who this uh, this nun guy uh, killed in the past. And, uh, and yeah, the thing you were supposed to do with it was use it to lure, lure this uh, this Amalja out of his camp um, in, in a fit of rage, presumably, for seeing the weapon that killed his brother or the weapon that belonged to his brother I actually can't remember it's it belonged to him it was his spear yeah but but yeah you you own this guy and come back and mr nun is like wow that's you know what that's pretty impressive takes takes some real brains to use strategy like that all right you know what i'll give you a real task this time uh why don't you go kill a sandworm but not just any sandworm i want you to kill a green one so the the ingredient you're getting here is apparently worm meat. Yes, but not just any worm meat, special worm meat. A worm that lives very deep in the sand and doesn't come out very often and feeds on only one specific type of sandfish. So yeah. you have to uh, kind of go through a whole thing and bait it out and take this guy out. And then you, and you get yourself a nice, big, fatty slab of worm. And you bring it back to the nun and he is, that's great. You 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 have the cunning to back up your recklessness. All right. Uh, here's some wine. Here's some, like, brandy wine to give to Whiskat. Because, like, you know, he kind of took me in and I was just an angry brat who didn't know what to do with his life. And he, he taught me a lot. And I owe him a lot. I, I owe him uh, my, my current career as the sex mayor of Forgotten Spring. <laughs> Uh, and what a career it is. So you you take that back to Whiskate and uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, all right, I, you're you're really getting through all these tasks. We're getting all this all this delicious food. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, however, we we haven't really, heard, you know, we've heard there's a bit of trouble going on over at uh, at Brayflox's place. You know, she's supposed to be supplying us with our with our with some of this food here uh, with some special cheese. But uh, you know, it seems like. Like there's some stuff going out at her house can you go check on her for us yeah he's like yeah she was she wanted to deliver it herself but apparently there's some some stuff happening and so yes Brayflox is and uh, is a goblin uh one of the members of the company heroes is a goblin yeah her name's Brayflox all talks and she is the sort of just like part of a small band of goblins it seems not not like a particularly large group but they do have a long stop around here which is like oh god i i i believe like the the gobby speak syntax for stuff like this is i i think it's pretty interesting it's it's one of those things where um uh they have just like a very utilitarian way of naming places such that it's like you you can you can just sort of figure out what it is from its taxonomy so like uh like long stop is like you know a temporary settlement they're at for a long time which is which is cool i think that's a neat touch yeah this is our our sort of second run-in with gobby speak we of course briefly met that materia guy for some reason (laughs) way earlier minfilia told you to go talk to him yeah Yeah. so gobby speak is like i really like gobby speak it's very fun it's it is utilitarian and whimsical at the same time which is hard to pull off yeah it's all it's like it is both very compact and very verbose which is an interesting combination to have 
Yeah, but there's been some. There's a there's a troublesome dragon running wild in her long stop, and there's a bunch of fucking beasts running around. So it's time for you to head in there and and, and deal with them. So let's go ahead and talk about the level thirty two dungeon, Brave Flox's long stop. <laughs> Yes. So here in the long stop, um, not an enormous amount has been changed from its original iteration, but two things are different. Two very important things. Thing number one is there is a portion about halfway through this dungeon where there's a big lake kind of area, like a sort of marshland. And the the thing is, there didn't used to be like walls in this area quite so much. And the, what you would do typically is you would just immediately drop down into this lake where there were more enemies and you would just do that pull because it was faster. But they ended up changing that and made it so it's basically just one linear path through the uh, through the whole thing, which I I understand why they did it. I think it's one of those things similar to the uh, Hawk Manor optimization, where if people weren't like fully aware of the optimization, they would maybe be caught unawares and like get separated. Yeah, they run across the bridge and aggro all of the the beasties over there. Um, in addition, they have changed the final boss along with giving it tank buster indicators, like they did for the final boss of Hawk Manor, they have also altered it. It used to be that the final boss, which is this big green dragon named Ayatar, would spew these huge puddles of poison that you would have to, like, kite him out of to stop him from regenerating health. However, these were huge, like, puddles of poison and it was really hard to keep him out of them and like also position him in a way where your team wasn't also getting killed by poison so instead what they have done is his his main mechanic now is he creates a bunch of exploding poison slime that create overlapping aoe's that go off at different times which is a very frequent uh, mechanic that comes up a lot in later stuff so i think it's nice that they're they're putting that one in early because the kiting them out of specific areas is not really a thing that happens anymore for bosses proper uh, yeah it, it used to be a big thing yeah it used to be a big thing but now boss movement is not boss movement is barely a mechanic in the modern game at this point like typically bosses are either completely static or or, like, outside of the arena itself, or whatever. Yeah, or, like, if they can move, you generally just keep them in the center, and you don't really need to move. But to speak a little bit about the dungeon itself, it is, it is you know what, this is a Crash Bandicoot level in every single way, right? Oh, for in, sure. In music, in design, in, like, enemies you fight. It's just this very colorful jungle filled with all sorts of weird creatures to fight. You fight monkeys, you fight fish that hover on the on the ground i don't really know how they do that it frightens me frankly uh, you scary. fight you fight a big salamander that puts you in a slur bubble it does do that yes and and you uh and you run around and you save a bunch of gobbies and you, you get some keys and, and that sort of thing unlock all the yeah. gates there are a lot of yeah there are a lot of optional areas where you can like go to save some of brave Flox's gang and they can help you out in future pulls and like brave Flox yourself is running around it's a fun little dungeon 
it it is it is it is still a little chaotic compared to how dungeons would be in the future uh it is it is not quite as open ended as say sastasha or um the way that todorak used to be but like it's 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 kind of crazy yeah there's a few alternative paths that are are a little bit obscured and not really all that useful to go down uh i think the most egregious of which is there's still that one path like right before you get to ayatar where you can go south instead and it's like kind of a long walk all the way down this hill and there's literally nothing down there there's just just like a cat that you can fight i guess yeah there's just like a like a coral coral down there it doesn't it doesn't drop anything it's just another ad i don't really know why it's there yeah there's like a there's like a wheel you're you're big into wheels there's like a wheel down there I guess uh, I do. I do want to say that on on the Iatar fight itself, um, I think that it's. I think it was a good idea to change it. I think they changed it a little too much. Uh, I thought that the the poison mechanic itself was kind of a neat idea. This idea of like it is both an AOE effect that is harmful to the players, but also helpful to the boss itself, and you have to kind of like either like interrupt it or you have to like maneuver the boss around the room to sort of avoid that now jane have you ever tanked that fight before oh yes yes i have it sucks but i think that they could have they could have changed that so it was way less of a problem like you shrink the aoe's and you make the actual attack with the poison uh which is interrupt by the way you could interrupt that but the thing is it was like a one second casting time so you had to like be on that you had to be on top of that like be ready to slam your you know your kick button uh otherwise he was gonna he was gonna fire it off so if they had just like made that like an actual real casting time and made the aoe's a bit smaller and the arena a little bigger i i think that i think that would have been the way that i personally would change it because i feel like it loses some of the character of the fight to 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 have changed it in the way that they did yeah but just like with Todorak, i can definitely see it losing the character of the fight however it's much nicer to play um it goes down smooth and, and ultimately i think with a realm reborn i don't need everything to be so characterful um because a lot of the ideas they had back then are j- kind of jank and weird which are does have their own charm but some things were just such a miserable time to to go through and ever whenever you roll them or rolled them in leveling your light you just went oh yeah i mean that's fair enough that's fair enough i just i i I do it, it feels it feels like yes a lot of these early dungeons we've played so far uh they go down so much smoother now but it's like but it's it's such a the, the experiences lack flavor you know it's it's like switching up from having like uh like a bad cocktail to just a shot of vodka right like the bad cocktail wasn't good and you didn't enjoy it but it had something to it like it had layers it had like something something going on and you get the shot of vodka and the vodka doesn't taste like anything it goes down real smooth you just you get it in and you get it done but it doesn't right. really challenge you in any way. It doesn't give you anything to work with, right? Um, so I, th- I, I think there is there, there, there was a middle ground there, right? We could have had a mediocre cocktail instead of a bad cocktail, you know? Yeah, I get it. 
regardless, you you beat the dragon and and uh, Brayflox like grabs the cheese you were looking for, and apparently it is it is quite an odorous cheese. It is a very stinky gobby cheese. It's gobby gouda. Oh yes. Uh, incidentally, the dragon explodes into evil mist. Yeah, I don't know why it explodes into like dark shadow thing because for once the Asians have nothing to do with this dungeon yeah as far as we're aware like i i and i looked i didn't see any mention of Asian involvement here so i guess that dragon was just evil it's just sort of a weird apparition ghost dragon i don't know yeah i don't know what's up with that um but yeah like they uh they yeah you get the you get the cheese and you go back to whiskey who goes yeah you know you didn't ask what was in it right because you probably shouldn't um i know yeah, i know did, a bit too much about how they make it yeah, don't ask about the milk they use yeah what uh, milk do you think they use in the cheese? oh god i don't know what's like like what would be coral oh i guess maybe yeah like coral milk i don't, I don't know. know like i don't really know what goblins ranch or cultivate or whatever um but yeah but it, as soon as you get he told you that the cheese was the last thing you needed but then when you get back to him he goes oh by the way we need wine yeah which to be fair if you're gonna have the cheese you might as well get the wine to go along with it um now he may have gotten brandy wine earlier but that's just his personal stash right that's just for him that's just for whiskey no we need, we need wine for the party. So you head on over to the aptly named wine port. Uh, incidentally, not a port. It's it's inland. It's it's in the middle of like a jungle. So Maybe it's because they also make port there. Ooh, perhaps. It was wine and it used to be wine and port emporium, but the sign <laughs> got smashed during the calamity. Everyone forgot about it. So I guess it's wine port. Makes a lot of sense. But uh, but yeah, you, you head on over and you meet a, uh, a Lollafell man by the name of Shamani Lamani. He, and he's like a, a winery guy. I don't really know what the... I don't, yeah, I don't know how to say the word they keep using. Um, the vi- like, the vinesmith. Vintender or something. It's probably Italian or French. It's probably French. Probably. Um, yeah, Shamani is, is blind. Uh, as soon as you hand this this letter to him he likes i guess I, I guess whiskey doesn't write in braille because he knows that shamani will simply sniff it and and piece together what's going on purely through his olfactory senses yeah he, he uh, to make up to make up for his lack of sight he has uh he has very much adapted his sense of smell he has an impossibly good sense which, of smell you know quite useful for a, a a wine guy. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. This guy's gonna be on episode of Columbo, just you wait. So he is like, alright, yeah, so why don't you go talk to the the master, the vine master of this here vineyard, and ask him for a bottle of his finest wine, and that guy tells you, in no uncertain terms, that he would rather piss in your mouth than give you <laughs> a bottle of his finest Not wine. Not even that, he says, I'd rather sell you gooby piss not even his own piss you aren't even worth that <laughs> i'm gonna go have a gooby piss in a bottle and hand it to me. yeah so so this guy does not seem to uh, this guy looks like a pizza chef by the way i don't know if you noticed his <laughs> tiny mustache and his slicked back hair i like, did i did notice the little mustache it's awesome uh, Bur- burglant here uh i know he's supposed to be like the the wine connoisseur but he, I, I, he just he just looks like an italian yeah you should go work with papa sean and start making some better yeah. breeds and better pizzas 
Yeah, so you go back to Shimani, he goes, Well, that was a bit rude, but I I guess he I guessed he would say something like that. Maybe not so blue. And he kinda get, he kinda fills you in on like, well, you know, Wineport, he's probably irritable lately because Wineport hasn't exactly been operating up to the expected standards as of late. Because we had this like we had this special wine called Bacchus wine, and it was it's the best fucking wine you've ever had in your life. We like bred this specific strain of grape to just for it and unfortunately during the calamity not only did the vineyards get destroyed but also the storeroom so there is almost no bacchus wine left in existence yes and then wine port's been a bit on hard times ever since because they make wine but the thing they were famous for the thing that put them on the map is basically lost time yeah, and he he ha- he sort of talks about how like he came into this line of work because yeah, you, you might think well that's kind of odd the a former mercenary and adventurer just selling down and becoming a wine guy because I mean you think about what the rest of the the company is doing right Whiskate is like the security dude at a at a rich resort Landell is is hanging out with the uh, the wood whalers. Odnun is in charge of this village, and, and Brayflox is still out there adventuring. But this guy settled down to become a winer, a, a wine fellow, because, as he tells you, he was blinded during the the battle with Titan, and afterwards he was like extremely depressed about it. He was he was just completely aimless. Later, he talks about he was, like, drinking himself to death. However, someone gave him a sip of that Bacchus wine, and it, like, it it, it blew his mind. He describes it like his third eye open. Yeah, it's the most delicious and, like, reverent experience he's ever had in his whole life. And he thanks a man called Dressed for it. Now, Dressed, he, he's the one who took him in after his, his, uh, his injury and kind of nursed him back to health and, and put him in a position where he grew an extreme fondness and appreciation for wines. Like, it really unlocked this passion for him, and he, he became a, uh, a a wine guy and, and ended up working a wine port for the past few years. And and Shimani is like, you know, you know now I'm thinking about it, I, you know, I I got a present I really want to give him. I've I've been brewing my own wine here. I've been I I've I've like on the side I've been doing my own thing with my own wine, and I want you to give him a bottle and and see how he likes it. Uh, just as just as a nice little gift. So you head on out deeper into the woods to this little like fairy port of some sort, um, where you know Shimani knows that sometimes he is around, but the guy who's there does not appear to a have a particularly high opinion of dressed or b really know where he is. He's like, I don't know, sometimes we pay him to lift boxes, he doesn't really talk much, and I, I think he lives in, like, a shack up in the woods. I do want to say Shamani's thing, right, the, the sort of character trait that, that sets him apart from the rest of them, is that, like, he is he is a very kind person. He, he values uh, companionship quite a bit, um, which is why he sends you over to, to check on Dressed. Uh, you get up there, and yeah, it is like a literally a shack in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's like it's it's it is very far away from Wineport on this map. It is like tucked in a corner. Yeah, no this this is a very isolated shed, and when you get in there to meet him, he's almost completely lost his mind because there's just flies. There are so many goddamn flies. He's losing it. You have to kill these flies. 
I mean, yeah, just imagine, like, imagine how annoying one fly is, and then, like, consider how huge the swarms are in this game to be considered enemies, and just, like, 17 of those hovering around all at once. Yeah, the, the noise alone is driving this guy crazy, let alone the fact that I bet you they come in his house all the damn time. Yeah, so you go and kill some flies for him. He, he handed, yeah, he's like, oh, wine wants this. I don't know what's going on. Please, flies, kill flies for me. Yeah. And you do that, and once you do that, he's he's a little bit more put together, and he kind of explains what's up with him in a little bit. Um, yeah. He is a member of, like, a Garlean troop that infiltrated uh, Vilbrand sometime in the past. And the Maelstrom caught them, and every single one of them except him was killed. Now, chiefly, Dressed is not a a member, like, he is not a Garlean. He is from one of the provinces. Looking at him, I would say probably Alamigo, considering I think he's a Highlander. Yeah, almost certainly he's Alamegan. And, yeah, because he, he he never wanted to be here in the first place. He never wanted to be in the army. And he's just like, I just want to go home. I just want to leave. But he's still like, he, he goes like, well, it was really, really nice of Shamani to send this gift. You know, I've, I've been working on something on for him for a while, too. I've been making this this palm wine out of palm sap, and I've been letting it age in a, in a river down there. Uh, if you could get those for me and bring them to Shamani. Yeah. So you, so you head on down to the river, and you grab these, like, big, like, I don't know if they're coconuts, but, like, there's these big, like, gourd-looking things with, like, a sprout. Yeah. Uh, and you grab them, and these are apparently full of the palm wine, and you take him to Shimani, who is like, uh, you know, oh, I better, you know, get this taken care of before it spoils. Uh, this is, this is pretty interesting stuff, you know, I... Like, I got, I got an interest in, in, yeah. in fancy, weird wines. And he goes like, you know, I really should go and, and check on him in person. It's been a long time, and I, it sounds like he's not holding up too good. I just want to make sure he's okay. And then he takes a close look at the palm, and he goes, holy shit! He wrapped these in Bacchus vine leaves. Yeah, and he, he did indeed, which means somewhere out there, the Bacchus vine still yet lives. So, you, you get told hey get on out there find this fucking plant and um uh, it turns out there is a special gubu which uh the bacchus vine grows on the back of and his name is like what, what was like shenzu yeah it has a name i don't know why but yeah he yeah so he he found these leaves on the floor near this uh crashed garlean ship the juggernauts are what these things are they're the like the tall spindly things that kind of float vertically around that like are usually swarming around the bigger battleships. Apparently, those are juggernauts. These vines have just been growing on this gubu. So you take a cutting of it and head back to Shimani. And uh, the wine master Berglint is there, and he goes, "Oh, you." It's first he walks up and is like, "Yeah, I heard you. You told you told me you have a fucking Bacchus vine. That's bullshit. There's no way you have a Bacchus. Holy shit!" Yeah, no. He uh, his his jaw kind of hits the floor, and he's like, "Oh my god, we could we we could we could bring back Bacchus wine." This would be amazing. It's literally like he was like, oh my god, you could bring back Bacchus wine. But then Shimani just like hands it to him. And he goes, why are you handing me this? I, I treat, I've, I've treated you like nothing but garbage. And Shimani just goes, maybe so, but like, you're the best winemaker I know. There's no one better to like bring Wineport back to its its former glory than you. Um, and Berglund is so touched by this that he goes and gets 
some Bacchus wines from his private collection, specifically a 1574 vintage of Bacchus, which is apparently like especially rare. Yeah, he, he has literally the best wine left on the whole freaking planet. All of Heidelin, this dude's got the best bottle of wine. And he's like, listen, I've been saving this wine for years. I've been thinking maybe I'll have it today. Maybe I'll have it tomorrow. I don't know. But he he says, you know, I decided the best way to use this this special bottle of wine is to share it with the people of the world. And what better way to do that than give it to my new friend who just saved my fucking entire vineyard. Yep. So you bring this wine back to Wiscat. And even he's like, I don't know shit about wine. Even I know this is crazy. Even I know this is like a crazy good bottle of wine. Yeah. And he mentions, oh yeah, your your friend came back. She's looking pretty annoyed over there. Yeah, Yishtol is not amused, frankly. I And then when you go over to talk to her, she just goes, oh my god, you look like you've been through hell. She she basically says, you know, I am very impressed that you did all of that useless garbage without much complaining, because let me tell you, if they had had me doing that, I would not have been so cooperative. Yeah, nor should she have been, truly. So, yeah, she's been bored out of her skull sitting on a bench, presumably talking to Whiskyet, but I can't imagine this guy's an amazing conversationalist. But yes, you 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 have successfully acquired everything that you were supposed to have. Uh, and then a fucking gnome does some gnome stunts. Yeah. Off screen. So one thing you got to know about this game is that a lot of the unique uh, emotes or unique animations all seem to go to Lalafels. Now, I ask you, who is Yoshi P's character? Yeah, mm, perhaps perhaps there's perhaps there's some sort of some sort of conspiracy favoritism about like what a, you know what if I gave all the Lalafels the funny animations because he like he runs towards you leaps into the air does like a 360 and then lands on on like a on like a bowing posture like he lands on the uh on his knees and like bows his head and he goes i'm so sorry my head of security sent you on a bunch of bullshit i wasn't actually having a feast yeah but uh but no it turns out this whole thing was was whiskey's like like master plan he wanted to test you the whole company of heroes wanted to test your metal in their own special ways he wanted to see if you were you know just generally worth his time uh what's his face landonel wanted to to test to see if you were you know brave enough to actually get the job done you know ood wanted you to like be smart enough clever enough to think your way around danger brayflox wanted you to be cool she would I, I think the same thing she also she wanted you to be able to like come up with a plan yeah uh and, she... and and uh and shamani shamani wanted you to be compassionate and kind and care about more than just the uh the outcome of the mission and then yes yeah, so they say all this and then Whiskat goes all right let's fucking party yeah yeah he's like all right we the company of heroes judge you worthy now let's let's put on some fucking bangers yeah let's they get, just let's bust down. out the wine 
they get the sexy dancers around they like they 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 literally just throw a party because why not they had you do get all the party stuff so hey let's go yeah which is which is kind of awesome uh a little bit yeah you you have you have a completely transcendental meal that like freaking opens your third eye like it's the best thing you've ever eaten in your whole life apparently yeah everybody's having a good time you know you talk to the whole company heroes and they're just like oh you know it's been a while since we did stuff like this maybe we should get the band back together a little bit you know hang out more often so you know you brought all these old friends back together which is which is sweet and um and finally finally after you uh you finish powering down whiskyet uh has some stuff to tell you about exactly how it is they managed to uh slip in and defeat titan undetected in the uh the maze-like uh labyrinth of uh kobold tunnels yeah, because this whole thing was that Whiskat wouldn't refuse to tell you how to actually find the Titan. So he sends you out to Camp Bronze Lake with instructions to whistle at three specific places to summon his other man, Riol, who is also a member of the Company of Heroes, to show you the way. Yes, yes. And Riol tells you that the way they got in was actually kind of clever. It's the Kobold underground tunnels are basically a whole city right? Well, it's kind of complicated to move around a big city like that without help of an Aethernet. And the, uh, you know, the myriad tribes aren't stupid. They've got their own Aethernets for their cities. But the Aetherites they use are a little less refined and a little bit difficult for you to navigate in the life stream with. So they employed the help of a Charlayan to, uh, to let them slip into the heart of of the mountain without you know being lost in the sea of souls forever uh which which would be bad for them yeah you don't really generally you don't want to do that and yeah he they, he shows you over to this aetherite in a place called zelma's run uh which is like it, it's it doesn't go to orgrimo mines anymore but it used to and yashtola can boost that connection this whole thing is like you know she she kind of pieces that together as real talks and also he mentions like, yeah this charlian guy he said any any charlian mage worth her salt which should be able to do this and she goes oh okay i see how it is yeah well luckily luckily we got we got our own charlian cat girl right here and let me tell you this lady she's worth a little bit more than salt maybe maybe two whole bags of salt even yeah, so she she tells you, all right, I can boost this faded aetherite to a sufficient like level to get you into the navel, which is like this huge underground cavern where they worship Titan. Um, and she but she goes, but I can't I I can't go through it and boost at the same time. I have to stay here and, and keep concentrating on it, and I've got some maelstrom to guard me. But you're basically on your own. Yes, so. You, you gain access to the navel and the duty to fight Titan. Let's talk about the level 34 trial, the navel. Yes. Now, the navel is largely unchanged. The only real significant difference is they added a single sort of meteor marker like a uh, what would you call it it's it's like a it's not really an aoe it's like a you know a get away from this marker uh to the center where titan actually splashes down Pro- it's a proximity marker 
Yeah. Say, don't stand near this. Get as far away as possible. Because before, all that happened was the big ring around the uh, around the center. But before we talk about that, I want to talk a little bit about the... Because there, there is a rather lengthy cutscene that precedes this one, just like the Bowl of Embers. That's um, true. And this one, you get a little bit more of the kobolds, including the head priest, who is wearing some kind of crazy headgear. Crazier than the kobolds' normal headgear, anyway. Uh, Zada. And immediately, everyone, as soon as you pop in, everyone is just going like fucking defiler fucking heretic how dare you come down here after like all your fucking oath breaking yeah no they very very clearly make make you understand that hey we're just trying to defend ourselves here get out of our house and uh, out of out of fear and and in indignation they summon great father titan and he appears and he's also not exactly pleased to see you here slayer of ifrit yeah, so he, he knows you slightly for also to talk a little bit about Titan's design. He's a big fucking sumo wrestler. He is large, he's got big hands, he's chunky, and he's got the slaps to back it up. Also, I think the most remarkable thing about the naval, about the Titan fight, is the music. Because up until this point, I would say all of the music you've heard so far is fairly standard fantasy fare. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we think we think about the dungeon themes and the Ifrit theme you've heard so far. It's like all of this sounds like a fantasy video game that you would play. It sounds like one of the much more fantasy-oriented uh, Final Fantasies, like, uh, like 9 or something. This fight is where they start mixing things up. Because uh, Titan's theme is called Under the Weight, and it is a dynamic track, because this this uh, fight has a few phases, technically, and it, like, it goes through changes. It starts off as this, like, you've got these guitars kind of kind of riffing in the background as there's this percussion line on the first phase, right? And you got the yeah. second phase where, like, the, the percussion's a little bit more, you know, intense, and, like, you, there are these siren-esque noises. Then you get, like, the third phase, right, where it's, like, kind of the, the chorus kicks in, and, and yeah. you get more of that. You get, you get this kind of, like, almost Metroid prime feel yes. in the third phase of it. Like, it's, like, this, like, kind of echoey, almost reverent kind of tone. And then, finally, in phase four of the music gets like really fast and you get these like powerful drum lines kicking through it and you've got like this like almost like chanting right this yeah war chanting going on like in the there's, background there's vocals but they're just so distorted and fasting and barely make it out it's like it's it's really cool sounding and it's it is really unlike any of the other songs we've heard thus far there's a lot of guitar in there too especially yes. the last one yeah, it's like, Battle Over Dweller, Battle Over Dweller, Battle Over Dweller, Titan. It's like, you can barely understand that because it's just like, it's, it's super fast chanting, the drums are going crazy, and all the while you're fighting, you're fighting Titan here. It's, like, it's just, this is much more of what the fights in this game are generally like instead of Ifrit. Ifrit, I think, is a very basic trial in a lot of different ways. Yes, that... That soundtrack is very classic Final Fantasy. It's very classic boss fight. But they, like normally, you're gonna be having a, a crazy fight with like this shit. There, I mean, there are there are tracks in this in this game that it's there's like rap rock tracks. There's there, there there's gothic metal tracks. There's a song that was so close to like a I don't know what uh, what that band is, but like it, it was so close to another. I think it's like a new metal band. It was. So so 
close to one of their existing songs that literally Square Enix lost a plagiarism suit over it, and they can't write any music that sounds like that anymore. Oh my god, that's crazy! What what that's, fight is that? That is the Sephiroth theme. Theme. Oh my god, yes. If you listen, if you listen to that, and then you listen to Worlds, let me let me look up the song because like power, the Power Man Five Thousand song, Worlds Collide. Literally, they do sound the same. Like that's theme, hilarious. The only real like especially the verses like the the choruses are different but the verses basically sound identical that that's that's so funny point being that this game has a crazy diverse musical identity and this is this is kind of where that starts yeah it does this is this is like the first piece of music in in error that i feel like really starts to like diverge from that sort of very expected very safe fantasy style this this is like a divergence and it's interesting and and the dynamic music here is almost unique in the entire game uh this takes four trap four whole tracks in the soundtrack are dedicated just to the titan fight and i don't know that that actually comes up again like i think that is like a fairly unique uh aspect to this fight uh which which i think is pretty cool there's only one other fight that does this and it doesn't really count because it's it's a certain final boss who shows up in the Omega Raids who is very famous for having an, an extremely complicated and multi-movement uh, boss theme. Yes. So obviously he will keep that in his appearance in this one. I, I won't say who it is, but I think we all know which one I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Yeah, even the fight too is much is much more complicated than than Ifrit. It's still not hard or anything. It's still one. It's still a four man error trial. But like, there's a lot more shit going on. There's the proximity thing where also you have to like not only do you have to stay out of the proximity, you also have to stay outside of this big red circle. Otherwise, you're gonna get knocked into the void. Exactly. So this and this was one of the things that threw people off a lot during Titan before because it wasn't very clearly communicated to the player that. Like, you needed to stand not in the highlighted red ring on the edge, but you also need to stand just close enough to it that you don't take splash damage from Titan coming back down. So they added a marker for Titan coming back down to let you know you should be standing on the edge of the red ring. As far as other mechanics he does are concerned, uh, he'll put you in a rock jail, and he will make some circle AoEs. Most notably, he will do, like, a big punch, like, straight in front of him. And that will not only target the tank, he will sometimes target other people with that. In fact, I think it only targets other people. So, like, with Ifrit, you could pretty much literally just ignore most of the things he did. But with this one, you do actually have to pay attention because it's not just the tank who's going to be getting hit, right? Like, it's it's going to be everyone. Exactly, exactly. And there's, there's a phase of the fight in which you also have to stop attacking Titan proper, and you have to attack his, like, core. Which is a cool thing about his design, actually. That I wanted to bring up, I, I like the fact that he sort of borrows a lot of visuals from the Earth sprite design. So if you if you're just wandering around the world, you know you'll see sprites of the various elemental types hanging about. Um, the Earth sprite is interesting because unlike all the other ones, it is like a, a little crystal, a yellow crystal core. And it's surrounded by regular normal stone that just makes like a shell around it. And Titan is functionally that. Like, he he is in many ways just that. His body is like a bunch of stones that got pulled together around this core, which I think is kind of neat. 
Yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, you even you you defeat him, and he has an ex- he has an extremely funny defeat animation where he just face plants and dissolves into nothing. It's so funny. Yes. One thing I do want to bring up though before we move on to the post cutscene here uh, that's interesting is um previously Titan was somewhat of a frustrating fight I think for new players um and and yes. even for veteran players and this is because if you got knocked off of the Titan arena and most of his attacks were knockoffs you were out of the fight for the entirety of the fight it was a permanent death like you could not come back in any way uh which is not true of most other fights in this game so, you know, that's that's sort of that's sort of a problem, right? You know, you can't res somebody who's knocked out of the arena. But they did change that for this, you know. If you if you fall off, it does like put you back on the arena and you can you can get rezzed. Which is which I think is a good change. I I think that is a really good change and now I think there's only like one or two places in the game where that's like a mechanic that exists and hopefully those get changed too cuz it never feels good, you know? It doesn't no. feel good to get, like, knocked out of the fight in a way that is completely irreparable. Yeah, I think those those places are getting more and more endangered by the day because they keep patching that out of stuff. I think they just removed that from a bunch of Heavensward content because after, I think, starting with Stormblood, Ringout stopped being unresable, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I no, think... you can get Ring, you can, you can Ring out, but you can still get brought back to life, which is the important part. Infamously, there's an optional dungeon post Heaven's Word that has unresable ringouts in it. Uh, yeah, quite a few, one. if I remember correctly. So, but yeah, that's Titan. The kobolds all run away after you uh, kill their god, understandably. They go, well, uh, time to leave. I don't want to stick around when this happens. And then we pan up and look who's there. Nero Tulskeva once again getting all of the data on these primals and he says that this one has much more impressive numbers than he freaked it. Oh yeah, this guy's doing numbers. And his uh his compatriot here, Riditan, he's you know, he's not all that interested in all this stuff. He he's not very impressed. He's like, hey what's the point? Why are we here? And he seems to doubt that you know, we still don't really know why Nero is doing all of this, but we can presume it has something to do with that big mech that floated by during their first introductory cutscene with him and uh, him and Ga- Gaius and all that. And Eruditan doesn't seem to think that whatever he's working on with this is going to be impactful enough to like justify all of this all of this stuff uh yeah. and then la habrea teleports in literally just to tell Ridditon to shut up yeah la habrea teleports in specifically to be like no no trust me this is this is the coolest shit ever this is the strongest weapon anyone's ever made you you have no idea how cool this is gonna be and Ridditon's like i really don't care i'm leaving uh bye to which La Habrea gets his feelings hurt. He's just he just sort of looks yeah. really like upset and sad and balls his fists and he's like idiot, dummy. You don't think my robot's cool? He's just like fools. And he leaves. But before he leaves, he does he does kind of look over and notice that Yishtola is hiding behind a rock, looking at. Him. Yeah, and and he he doesn't do anything, but you know he takes he takes notes takes note and Yishtola kind of breathes a sigh of relief here uh, and then uh, teleports down to uh, to where you are and lets you know hey uh, I'm gonna stick around for a little bit I got some investigating to do there's some weird shit going on but uh, but you should head on back to uh, to to camp and let everybody know about uh, the, the successful defeat of Titan and she does note that like oh so that's how they 
leave without a trace so often they have this like on-demand teleportation magic they don't even have to use ether they can just like go wherever they want so it's like oh that's another piece of this ASEAN puzzle she's putting together uh yes. yeah so you know over to camp bronze lake and you know give her the and she she basically tells you to head back but we are not going beyond this we are stopping at the the quest named lord of crags yes because the next quest starts the next plot line basically it's it's uh, it's not like the other fights where you go back to minfilia and basically all it says is great you did it uh some other shit happens on this one yeah no this this time this time you are going to pray return to the waking sands but there there may be something else awaiting you when you get there but uh but we'll be talking about that the next time we meet so until then we will see if you're current if you're staying current with us rather you will you will hear from us again in two weeks however if you are going to stick around and you and you either have finished the whole thing or you don't care about spoilers we'll see you here in a minute the spoilers zone. yes catch you on the other side important topic we need to talk about with regards to the content this week is Tractum's tiny cock. <sighs> yeah, now, I suppose so. I was, your silence makes me think that perhaps you don't agree that when he re- pops up again to do his same old shtick in the Leviathan quest line and he says he has a small dick, canonically he, he says that to you. Yeah, he I does just, wanted, just tell you that. I just wanted to bring that up because he offers that information completely on, like, unbidden he just says it yeah like you know when when yushtola uses her fucking aethero vision to tell uh <laughs> magni right. that he has a small cock that's like that's different he didn't willingly give that information up she's just making fun of him no no track just is like hey listen listen Tractum, you just act track with that dick to he says small leave me alone <laughs> On uh, the an actual note, on the forgetting him as he should be, let's talk. I think we should talk about the kobolds here because tight. This fight is interesting, right? Titan is interesting because it is the only ARR fight to recur a third time. Yeah. So the Titan fight is interesting. So you you have this fight, right? And then after you complete ARR, you have to do like Urianje's like hard fights where you unlock all of the hard stuff and and whatnot. And, and that introduces, of course, the eight-player trials and, and that sort of thing. But um, but then you have to do Titan Hard again. And the weird thing about that fight is that it isn't like a, like a special extra hard one. It is exactly the same fight. It is literally Titan Hard. It is like you go to the same spot, you do the same fight, completely unchanged. The only difference is they tack on an additional cutscene to both ends of the titan fight yeah because the deal with that is titan is summoned not by zaba or is that his name uh it was Za, i believe zada zada Zada. he is not summoned by zada but instead gabu who like sees that if his parents have been killed in order to like provide the ether for this this summoning 
And because of this, all of Titan's dialogue is just like, it's just screaming. Like all of the text boxes are just screaming in pain and sorrow. Yeah, which is interesting. The like, the way the Titan's whole thing is approached is very interesting, frankly. I like the fact that Zada is like present in ARR. Like that was, that would surprise me. I actually didn't remember that because Zada comes up in the quests in the future. Specifically, Zada is actually a fairly important figure in the sort of Merwib uh, yeah. rehabilitation chamber of uh, 5.4. Yeah, I, I think he's also the one who kills uh, Gabu's parents, right? Or is that a different guy? I think it's, um, I think it's him. I believe it it's is, him. It is him. It is him. He's tempered and does that. And it's, That's it's right. only he... when you, uh, you untemper him that he like sort of realizes what he did and he gets very upset about it. And there's like this sort of emotional moment uh, because yeah. of it. It is interesting that like Zada is such a weird through line because so many of the other myriad tribes and ARR really don't have any characters attached to them other than the ones you meet through the actual like tribe quests, which are always a splinter faction of whatever whatever tribe you're interacting with. Yeah, in this case, for the kobolds, it's the, like, 475th... <laughs> the world's shittiest kobold division. Yeah, I love yeah. those guys. The the kobold division that is literally the bottom rank of all kobold divisions. Uh, I haven't done many of their quests. I really want to. They're funny. Um, and, I, and I totally will, but... The, f- uh, the but funny yeah. thing is that, like, all of those quests, like, it's it's a variety of different things because... You would think it's like, oh, these are the good ones. These are like the quote-unquote good ones, the untempered ones. However, that's not always the case. Those guys are still tempered. They just suck so bad that they're harmless. Like, they can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, which is like, it's it's kind of hilarious, actually. Because, like, yeah, they, they, I believe they're the Ixal faction as well are, like, atheist Ixal who think Garuda is full of shit. Yeah, no, they, they, they don't they don't believe in Garuda, but they do want to, like, fly to their, their home in the sky, which, of course, as we know, is Azaslaw. Yeah, it's like a half-remembered cultural memory of being created on Azaslaw, which I always think is, like, it's very neat. I love that a lot about the Ixal. But Titan, so Titan is, like, it, it is really interesting because the kobolds end up being the ones who kind of become at the forefront of the game attempting to grapple with its shitty writing around these like racially coded uh characters right because yeah. and it's, it's zada's here and already but on, on and already the kobolds are one of the ones that is like the game is trying to get you to understand why they're doing this it's like yeah they they are they're they feel betrayed by these by the Lamensons like turning their back on this treaty they had. And he, he restates that again in even stronger terms when you when you do when you fight Titan again in post Heavensward, uh, where he, he just goes like, Yeah, if like he he, he literally says he what he kind of says here, but in more ornate or like elaborate terms, he goes, If Limsa wants us to stop, they need to stop. This is a two-sided situation. Yeah, no, this this is this is two-sided. There were treaties and they were broken mostly by the Lemonsons and in order to stop it so like, you know, Titan stops being summoned every freaking week, you know, the Lemonsons have to actually hold true to a treaty and stop like constantly invading their space and colonizing their space and sending troops in to like shoot them and cleave them with big axes. They just kind of they would like to just live in their mountain and their little hot springs areas in peace, 
You know, they're, they're not asking for that much in this regard. And of course, Gabu is very important to Alice's like desire to find a cure for tempering. And Zada is the character who Merlewib like talks to in 5.4. He is the one who is like, she, she goes up to him and goes, it, throws the gun at him and says, if killing me will fix what has happened between our people, by all means do it. Yeah, just so long as we actually have reconciliation here, we can move forward. Yeah. And again, that's a, that's a big step for for Merowub as a character, and it's a big step for Limsa as a society to like actually try and reconcile and and offer recompense for the things they've done and all and you know try and move forward in a peaceable way with their neighbors in uh in Vilbrand here and you know it, we we talk a lot about the game's failures in this regard but i think that again limsa's handling of a lot of its racial politics it ends up in a place where it acknowledges the problems and makes an attempt to fix them, which, you know, is more than you can say for most of the other locations in the game. Grudania simply ignores it. As we said, Ulda has a billion other issues that the Amalja are just like, they barely even factor into the story for a very long time until Paglathon. Yeah. And they've got their own racial issues among humans to yes, deal with. Like, they they've, sure th- that's their racial issues. It's, like, almost entirely, like, a human thing. And, oh, boy. Yeah, the old Dons are so racist that they are not just racist to the non-human-looking people. That's how racist they are. Yeah, which is... I mean, to be fair, so are the Gridanians, frankly. The Gridanians that's are true. really bad about that, too. That's like, the arch requests are literally just, hey, would you like to sit there as a cat girl and be told cat girl slurs or whatever? Like, it's... Oh, it's Annalyn. weird. It's, yeah, Gridanians. <sighs> But yeah, Limsa. It's uh, it's interesting that it does. It did strike me that like all the way back here, these seeds are being sown for that moment with Merlewib in five point four, and for the stuff with the Sahagan in the Roll Quest and Endwalker. Um, and even the Leviathan stuff. All of it is a part of this through line of Merlewib like become <laughs> getting reprogrammed into an SJW, a la the Bush comic. Uh, yeah. She has been re-educated. She has been re-educated, but like it's that's the city that they wanted to do that for. In fact, it's interesting because like eventually Gridani basically gets no content. Gridani is the place all the presidents go to talk because Connie Senna has the best has the best place, has the best crib. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Ulda, thankfully, stops popping up so much in the story because every time it does, it's some kind of either racist nightmare or capitalist hellscape or both. Yeah, usually a combination, frankly. Thank you to Leggy and Leggy. Thank you, Lollarito, as well. And, and Lollarito. But Limsa often is the one that actually does keep coming up and being the most relevant. I mean, even in the beginning of Inwalker, who, where do you leave to Charlene and who's the one who sees you off? It's Merlewib. Yeah. Like, like Limsa is, I feel like in many ways, like the icon city of Final Fantasy XIV. Like, it's, it's, it's like, if I, if I think about Final Fantasy XIV in my head, a lot of times I just think about Limsa because you spend so much time in Limsa, not just in the game from an MSQ perspective, but also from the perspective of as just a player. You spend a ton of time in Limsa because, of course, it's the most populated and 
most accessible Aetherite Plaza. It's got the best layout, basically. It's not very cluttered. It's easy to fit like a billion people in there. And the market boards are really easily accessible. The market is just right there. It's like a convenient place to go meet people and like hang out uh, in, in a digital space. So Limsa is in many ways, I feel like the face of Final Fantasy XIV. So it kind of makes sense to me that either sort of consciously or subconsciously that as a development team they've sort of put the most effort into fleshing it out as a location versus uh, the other two cities like i think radania obviously gets the least attention but there's like a gradient here and i definitely think limsa is at the top of that gradient I think it also doesn't hurt that Merlwib out of the three presidents is the most interesting character because obviously Rauban becomes decoupled from Olda after a certain this point. That's true. So, and I've always felt that Rauban and Nanamo are best when they are together. When Nanamo is apart from Rauban, I think she's a little bit less interesting. Yeah. Similarly, Connie Senna, as we have said many, many times, is a fucking snooze. It's just, she's just the white lady acorn president she has like no defining characteristics whatsoever Merlewib, on the other hand she's like a swashbuckling former pirate turned admiral she's rough around the edges she's willing to like get into the shit like she is a much more interesting and engaging character than either of the other two like do you really want to go to old Don and hang out with Lolorito? no no yeah. one wants to no, do nobody that wants to do that except no. the guy who wrote uh, except the guy who wrote 4.1 i guess oh like, god don't well, it's not. We're we're not getting into four point one yet. That's dangerous territory. That's uh. That's we'll we'll talk about them when we get there. But I need to know. Uh, we need to figure out who the fuck did that. Like we how, we have what, to find out who wrote that entire chain. Because uh, if it's the same person all the way through, they really that was really just a good run of falling directly onto your yeah. ass. L- literally, literally, I want to know who ro- I want to know who wrote Riot Cop Simulator, and I want to know who wrote four point one. Like, I want to know who wrote both of those fucking stories, because, oh, I got a bone to pick with you, my friend. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to go back here and even still see, like, the, the connective tissue all the way to Endwalker and, like, everything surrounding Titan. And it, it's it's just neat. I don't know if there's anything else you really wanted to bring up No, here. that's pretty much it. I just really wanted to, like, dig a little bit into, into the Titan stuff. And uh, believe me, we'll have a lot more to talk about next time in the Spoiler Zone. Because next time we're dealing with the aftermath of Titan Quest, which is, oh no, the Scions all died. <laughs> yeah. Oops, all dead. <laughs> This happens frequently, actually, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, convenient for the books, you know, you get a lot less people on payroll. Not even <laughs> just the anonymous ones, just like a lot of the big moments are all of your friends have vanished somehow. This happens a lot. Yeah, it's they have a tendency to get kidnapped, but really what band of adventuring parties uh, don't always end up in positions where their friends get kidnapped? I mean, that's basically, it just comes with the territory, right? get kidnapped or go into hiding or eat yourself into the live stream <laughs> the twice. twice you could do it a third time we don't know yeah we, we, there anything can happen it is boy. really hilarious i will point out it's very hilarious that in this in this titan quest where it's like any shirley and worth her salt would be able to make sure that you can get through the aetherite network without getting lost in the live stream and i'm just like <coughs> uh maybe don't tell That's her it. that 
To be fair, the th the shit she did was definitely outside of the Eighth Right Network. That's some crazy shit you're not supposed to do ever. Well, sure, gets... but I mean, it's <laughs> just knowing what we know about Miss. I like to cast flow over here. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's if if I had a nickel for every time my beloved favorite cat girl character cast flow and yeeted herself into the void, and, well, not actually the void, into the live stream, I'd have two nickels, which isn't much, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yes, uh, but that's going to do it for us this week. I uh, hope you all enjoyed the episode, and, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see you in, in two weeks for wonderful adventure with Livia Sass Junius, maybe. Corpse Mover. 2014 everyone's favorite simulation game oh yes all right but uh but i've been one of your hosts jane i've been your other host nero and we'll see you out on the wide fields of eorzea <laughs>